Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And I have talked about her time and time and time again. People have even left comments about it. And so she is here. Here she is in person to listen to. She's got the wisdom that you want to hear. My midwife and dear friend, Beth Barbeau. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jenny. I hope that I can measure up to what you've been saying all this time. <laughs> well, I throw you in all the time. And I'll be like, oh, I learned this from my midwife. I learned that from my midwife. People are like, why are you talking about your midwife so much? So what a treat to actually have you on and for people to get to know just a small amount of the things that you know. Our story is an interesting one. We met because I had had two cesarean sections and I've actually done a home birth podcast before on someone's podcast that does a podcast just about home birth, but I've not really talked about it on here. You know, I don't know. We didn't home birth outside. Kayla did. I'm like, oh, in retrospect, I have missed my opportunity. I should have birthed outside and added it to my chart. But I had two cesarean sections with my first two kids and it stemmed a lot from lack of knowledge, I think. And then what happened was basically I was sort of forced down this path that turned out to be such a good one because I met you and our life really changed. But we made the decision to home birth really because it was our only option to sort of get away from doing the cesarean sections. At the hospital, they wouldn't allow me to try for a vaginal birth after having two cesarean sections. And so I did a Google search and came to you. Even though I had been to your store before, I hadn't met you. And when I think back on those years, I remember like I tried to dress to impress. I I mean, I remember I'm like, I need to go in seeming like I am strong and healthy and ready because our babies were pretty close in age. Like I probably would have come to you with like a one-year-old and a baby and was pregnant again and had just had these two C-sections. So I don't know what your thoughts were, but you said yes. So that's where we met. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. You have helped birth so many babies, so I'm not sure if you remember times like that or... Oh, Jim, you know, I remember our first meeting vividly. I remember so much. You came in with two little babies, like, you know, a chunky two... A, toddler, the walking, the baby in arms, all the bags that come with traveling for an hour or two with your kids. And you came in and you looked at me and your eyes were so big and you were just like, can I do this? Mm. Like, we don't want another cesarean. We, you know, I've heard this from a number of moms, you know, like we wanted a rather big family. We wanted more than a few kids, mm-hmm. but we just can't keep having these surgeries. And you had tried so hard with two different, I, mm-hmm. I remember two different doctors and there had been, you know, like everybody gets this preeclampsia thing and what can we yeah. do? And and then I know that um, like for many people who are trying to look for new things, I, I think I was pretty weird for you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> well, like herbs, vitamins, sunshine. You're like, well, I think she might help me have a bachelor birth. So I'll hang in here, you know? And- yeah. It's an interesting thing that I didn't realize what we would get out of it. And I always say this, that, you know, we went to the hospital for our first two and we got a baby and we got, we got two babies <laughs> for two times. And that's great. I mean, came out healthy and whole mom and baby both times. And that's what we got. You know, you go to these short appointments and you pee in a cup and they check some vital signs. And then I didn't know what to expect though, with having the home birth. And I always say, I just got so much more than a baby. Well, I got a friend um, and a dear friend at that, which that was part of my plan. That was always an undercurrent for me. <laughs> I was like, how can I make this official? Like we're actually friends. Like I can call when we don't have weird rashes and other things. 
can I just call for normal stuff? But um, a friend, but also came out with a new life. And it was a process. I mean, three births represents years of time of learning and growth. And I actually didn't cook anything from scratch until after the first home birth that I had with you. And so it was just an interesting thing that you just come out with more. You know, in one case you get the baby and in this case you get baby plus eye-opening experiences. And to have the home birth is really empowering. So I learned a lot about myself too. And um, so people can, I don't know, Google that somewhere because I have a whole podcast where I talk about that. But yeah, this the whole time that we are coming for appointments and the appointments are an hour spending time together you would say things in your normal talking like it wasn't out it was just like in your normal things that you're saying and I would be thinking I have no idea what that is (laughs) I have no idea and I would think this is really weird and I would just not along I would just not along you know because you don't want to seem like especially if someone says something in their normal conversation so I thought we could talk about some of those things because I've obviously come full circle and a lot of the things that we have implemented in our life but then we also talked about that you have a lot of great information heading into the summer here really for year-round but first aid kits and lots of things to talk about. But first off, if people, as they go through this conversation, they want to find more information about you, which I know they will, and just to get wisdom from you, because you know more than I ever even realized that there is to know, they can find you at Indigo Forest. That is the name of your business, indigoforest.com. And you have a newsletter that comes out every week, right? Well, we do. It's, um, it's available there on the homepage. If you go to the bottom and in that newsletter, it's just a chance to bring in some of this mix of healthy births, healthy lives. Not everybody's in the season of having babies, mm-hmm. but a lot of what I get is why birth matters to all of us, even if we didn't or won't have a baby, and even if we're out of the season of having babies, right? So that's a lot of why the healthy births, healthy lives gets mixed together in my picture. Hmm, I love that. So I would love to hear more about that. Before we dive into these different topics, I, w- I think people would love to hear about you. You've been a midwife. Really, you've been delivering babies since you were a teenager. And I think that this concept that birth matters to all of us is a really interesting one. I think people would love to hear more about that. So just tell us about Beth and tell us about that. Well, the way to say it would just be that I was one of those kids that fell in love with babies. I was a little girl who wanted to hold your baby at church. I went into babysit and I was into natural health. My mom had experienced infertility in the 60s. She had been married for a number of years, couldn't get pregnant. Someone sent her to a chiropractor. It was one of those first chiropractors. And voila, she got introduced to a more natural way of looking at things. And she was able to start conceiving and had three kids. So I was encouraged in the realm of natural health. It wasn't weird in my house. But I was weird, right, to be a a teenager and be so into natural health. And so I wasn't, of course, delivering babies as a teenager. But I was, um, I went to my first birth, I think, when I was 15 and a half or 16 as the babysitter for big kids at home births. And just, you know, to be in a house with a baby being born, you would have thought I met the Pope. I was so excited. Like, it was just like the biggest thing ever, you know. And it just evolved into really old-fashioned midwifery. You know, things are a little different now, but they're in the 70s. You know, in Detroit, midwives were midwives, home birth midwives who had been to maybe 20 or 30 births because no one else had been to 20 or 30 births. And so mm-hmm. parents were spunky and midwives were spunky and everybody was just, you know, reading the two books that they were out there. And this is when Ina May Gaskin's book, Spiritual Midwifery, was brand new. And it was such, and I got it for my 16th birthday from the people I babysat for. And, you know, it was such a, a time of, 
not really rebellion, but really resilience. Can we, you know, start using that word? So it was a really, I was really lucky to come of age as a young woman with all these really forward thinking and courageous young midwives around me. And so I got to take that forward. For me, midwifery and having babies and having a more natural lifestyle, if you will, always have been woven together. So, you know, midwives around the world do amazing work and have longer visits a lot of times. OBs are usually restricted by hospital and insurance boundaries to about six minute appointments. So if we looked at this idea that we've all been born, we're all here because we got born. So we've all had a birth experience, even if we're not birthing them ourselves or raising other children, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's still as part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to see is that it, it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't matter where you birth, right? Like home birth gave you a lot of options and opportunities that you were able to parlay into many other things. And I'm trying to make the case that being supported and informed and empowered and listened to, that all of these things help mothers and babies be more resilient, have births they're more satisfied with, whatever that is. It could be a planned C-section. It doesn't have to be at home. Right. It, it, it could be with an epidural or not. It's uh, you know, like I have a passion for home birth, but everybody can't or shouldn't or won't birth there. It's OK. So how how do the babies get born? How can we support mothers in becoming right? this whole archetypal work of like making room to evolve into all that it can be? So if people get their questions answered, if they feel like there's community, I think I see a thousand hours outside doing that right? Mm -hmm. In empowering families. I love reading the Facebook group and seeing all these amazing people. Like I'm fairly intimidated by a lot of them, frankly. You know, they're, <laughs> they're doing all these amazing things and they have all this energy. And what I see is that they're all doing it in a different way. They're all doing it with their personalities. And because there's a group, they feel more empowered, more joyous, more courageous to try something new. And I think that if we can help mothers and babies feel supported, it parlays into that, right? I think, you know, if you'd had five C-sections, your backbone and power to do what you're doing now, which is changing the world with a thousand hours outside, would be a little different. Mm -hmm. You grabbed wind. You grabbed power when you had your needs met, when you got to be scared, when you got to talk about it, when you got to integrate the past. These are all processes that all of us need. And I think, I know I got on my soapbox here real quick, but just... Being outside is one of those ways that help everybody ground, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe everybody doesn't have a, a midwife. You know, my putting Indigo Forest together online was in part an answer to my clients like you who kept saying, how do I share this with my sister-in-law in California? I, mm -hmm. My neighbor needs to know that thing. I got a text last night from, it's actually people you know. It's people you referred to me, and then they referred someone to me. And then I got mm -hmm. this text from them last night that said, it's kind of a sad thing, but it's a like our friend is having a mis had a miscarriage two weeks ago and she's not getting support and she's having this experience and she's she asked if we knew anybody who might know something. So, you know, like, that's that's what I want on my website so that people can reliably go somewhere and have mm -hmm. a voice of care. It's not that mm -hmm. I am the only voice of care. There's amazing midwives, there's good docs, there's lots of neighbors, and those are really our first line of contact is always should be our community, right? It's, mm -hmm. it is your friend. She calls her friend. And it's yeah. nice when the friend can have some resources too. So yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, like, you know, you have these babies. And one of the things that you stressed 
quite significantly when we came to our first initial appointments. I don't know if it was like I was trying out. I can't, I can't quite remember. But we were sort of, you know, you feel out the situation or if it's like an interview, basically. But when we came in and one of the things that you stressed was that you had this postnatal care after the birth and that you said, you know, I come, I can't quite remember the exact things. I come two days after the baby's born. I come five days after I come one week. I come two weeks. You know, it was this rhythmic thing. And that was something that I did not realize was even a possibility and also didn't realize the significance of that until after we had our babies and to know that, oh, she's coming back. And we realize after you have a child that you have so many questions. And once you get there, you have no time to figure out the answers to those questions. I mean, this is the reality of the situation. I always felt like even something different, but like, like when we had these little kids, we had no money. So, you know, it's this, it's this weird juxtaposition about how you, you're exhausted, you have very little money, you're young, you have very little experience. And so you don't even have, like, can't buy the book. I don't have time to read the book. I'm up all night. And so to have you there afterward was just huge. I mean, such a thing that I didn't even realize was a possibility. And so in this course of time and having these three babies with you, I learned that you are a wealth of knowledge so well beyond the birth and shoulder dystocia and the types of things that can happen during a birth, but just into like you talk about healthy births, healthy lives all the way through. You even talk about death care, which is a topic that I've actually never heard anyone talk about. And I know that dealing with end of life and also tragedies that happen throughout like like a miscarriage and things like that. So I can't even really put into words the breadth of knowledge that you have. And so we're going to talk about some of that today. But where do you think that stems from? Is it just a mix of your own searching, your own mothering, trainings, a mix of all of it? No, that's well, such a good question. You know, the way that my life unfolded has brought in information from every sources. So I'm licensed as a midwife. That's where my level of expertise and certification is in. Because I've been interested in natural health, I've been pursuing that on the side. It's like the minor in college, right? So mm-hmm. I've been taking endless workshops and studies and different things. So although I don't have a certification in there, I was actually part of an instructor panel in the, a naturopathic institute in college. So I have a lot of that background. When I started my storefront in 2007, I did that because women seemed to be really lost and they had lost their generational knowledge, right? They didn't, they didn't have a grandma to ask or they, or they didn't trust a grandma to ask, right? Or, <laughs> there's always that one. Or, you know, the neighbor, the neighborliness was gone, right? Where you can ask the other mother across the fence while you were hanging up laundry. That wasn't happening and they felt so adrift. So I thought that I could create this little homey spot that had like all the natural stuff I talk about and the fun toys, and, but it would be community and mommy groups. So we kind of started that, and that added to the expertise, right? I opened that with a naturopath where I learned a lot from her and her expertise. The truth is, is that because I was so much into being a babysitter, and I did doula work before there was that word, right? Labor support when people needed it and things like that. And I think that doulas are supplying, by the way, a lot of the support for people who are birthing medically, for instance. Like a lot of home birth midwives Mm -hmm. will come in and do that support. And if you're birthing medically, that support might be coming now from the doulas that you hire separately, right, as, as care. And so anyway, because I was so interested in all those things, and then I had the store, I've literally been in hundreds, probably thousands, actually, really, thousands of living rooms. And so I've seen a lot of parenting up close. And wow. I was really paying attention. I noticed that parents mostly love their kids. 
But some parents didn't like their kids. And they, mm. they would always say that, of course. But I wanted to like my kids. I wanted to not be trying to find some way to shove them off or, or avoid them. Mm -hmm. So I was paying attention. And by the time I had my kids kind of late at 37 and 39, I had a big idea of what I wanted to do. And I had had time to read a lot of books. And I had been teaching classes for a long time. And, and then I got to try it out. And, of course, our kids are our best experiments. That's like having, you know, a college education every day in parenting. And your kids are fantastic, actually. So, to, you know, to just sidebar here, because I know them, and I met you when they were probably 8 and 10, mm -hmm. I think is about when we met. And now they're adults. And they are charming. They are easy to talk to. And so there is this Bible verse, um, and I know not everybody who listens reads the Bible, but there's this verse that says, wisdom is proved right by her children. And I never really understood that verse. I always just thought it was kind of an odd one, but it is an interesting one. I think, I think what it means is that it takes a long time sometimes to see if something is wise. You know, it takes a long time for children to grow and to see if what you did was the right thing. And I, I don't know, I, you know, I'm not like some biblical scholar, but just this thought of it's neat now to see your kids and to see that they're creative and they're easy to talk to and they can hold a conversation and they're helpful. And I know nothing is perfect, obviously, but your boys have come and done really cool stunt work and fire shows and things. They have all these eclectic interests for our kids' birthday parties. One of your sons came and taught our daughter Vivian how to juggle and so they're not just you know I know everyone everyone has their balance in their life but they have a lot going for them and you can see the roots of that in the way that you were doing their childhood when we first met so I think it's cool how you said you've been in thousands of living rooms and you were paying attention I think that's a thing that we're missing in this culture is that thought of paying attention and really looking around to determine how we want to build our lives so you've taken that and you are packaging it up for parents. I mean, it really is invaluable. I mean, because none of us have been in thousands of living rooms. What you have is something that very few people have. And what you offer is something that very few people can offer, which is this massive amount of experience that you were able to take in and then learn in professional context along the way as well. But putting it all together it is this huge package so like i said you have this newsletter that comes out every week just with the information like you said that maybe our grandmas might have known but now they don't or that type of thing and it comes out every week so we talked about what we said we were going to talk about and i'm hoping that you'll come back because i know that this one's going to come out in spring summer I think in the fall, it'd be great to talk about, you have a class called Get Well Soon, talking about all the types of sniffles and things that tend to pop up in the fall. So I'm hoping you'll be back. I think people are going to want you to come back. But one of the things we talked about for this one was to talk about some of the things that I didn't know about at all that you opened my eyes to, that we were able to make changes. So, okay, I want to start with, I don't know where to start with. I think I'm going to start with the microwave. I don't know if this is the best one to start with or not. <laughs> no. I'm going to take that one out. All right, you're not starting with the microwave. I'm starting with woolens. I'm going to start with woolens. It's summer. <laughs> okay, all right, we're not starting with woolens. We're going to start with first aid. Can we start with first aid? Yes? I, wanna, I need to go back and say one thing. Okay, go ahead. You asked a question earlier. I think one of the changes, midwifery of the past was a situation in which it was the experienced woman who had had the babies. And what happened was that after mamas had their babies, they had this midwife in the neighborhood who had had more babies. So when things started to happen, like they had a fever or they had chicken pox, they would ask the midwife again. 
And that's how that would naturally grow. And that's actually what happened with me with clients was that I was helping them with the fevers that happened with their toddlers while they were pregnant. I was mm-hmm. helping them to feel more empowered. And then if they got into a medical situation with one of the kids that they felt a little bit uneasy about or threatened, they would call me to be reminded of their empowerment, to be reminded of how to make medical decisions, be reminded of what I'm always trying to convince people, which is that their common sense and their intuition need to be at the head of their healthcare team, regardless of how medical or how natural they're going, and that that has to play in. And even if you need expertise and that sort of thing. So it was sort of a natural, organic unfolding in which I was watching all these parents stuff. I was being in the naturopathic field and working with that. We had the store with tons of people coming in who would come back and say, hey, you know, that thing really, really worked. And I told my friend and now they need it too. And so I got to see in real time, basically small scale studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think everyone should know you. But the problem is, is that everyone can't know you because it's impossible for you to know every person, but they can rub shoulders with you. And that sort of was my goal all along. I'm like, how can I rub shoulders with her just a little bit more and a little bit more? Because you do have those things and you, you know, you're in a panic or you're not sure what to do. In fact, I just told this story in a podcast I was recording because <laughs> she ran all my, so many of my podcasts just earlier, right before this one, actually. I was telling the story of Josh was out of town. He was out of town quite a bit when our kids were little. And I had taken all the kids to this place where you can swim. It's a really cool place. It's called Proud Lake State Recreation Area. It's in Michigan, I'll say it because you and I are in Michigan together. But it's a place where you you hike in maybe a quarter of a mile and there's a swimming hole there and it's just a great place to play. And so I'd taken all the kids and we're loaded down with all the things that you need in order to go to a swimming spot for the day when you have young kids. So it's everyone's got a life jacket. Everyone's got food. Everyone's, there's a lot, you know, and you got a picnic blanket and all these things. And we got there and Jackson was maybe nine or something. And he wasn't even one of your clients. This is like what we were talking about, right? Maybe I was pregnant with another kid. I have no idea. But he's, his ear started to hurt. And he was screaming, actually, screaming. His ear hurt him so bad. It just came out of nowhere. So I'm panicked. And Josh is gone. I'm thinking I'm trying to pack everyone up. I'm running back to the car. And I called you. I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> You know, take him. He's screaming. He's, he's screaming that he needs to go to the hospital. I have to go. I'm hurting so bad. And I think that this is a, an example of when you broach that subject of empowerment, where you're like, okay, well, just, just pause for just a minute and think, okay, if you go to the hospital, is he going to get seen right away? No. You know, there's way bigger issues happening at a hospital than someone's ear that hurts. And what are the things that they're going to be able to do for you? And you know, it's really only a couple things, but if you can get home, if you think you can get home, you can set a clove of garlic in his ear and that will draw the infection out. And sure enough, sure, it took an hour. We're home. He wasn't even screwing. No, he's feeling better almost right away. Lay him down, set this clove of garlic. It fits right in there as a piece of organic garlic. And, you know, I think within an hour or two, he was fine. And we have five kids and we have used that remedy now over and over and over and over. Sometimes we'll do the onion where you, you know, you take the onion muff and you put it over the ear. But that's sort of an example of empowerment. And really, it hits a lot of things in this day and age, especially during COVID. I think there was a lot of thought of, I don't know if I really want to take my kid to the doctor for this, or if I can avoid the hospital situation, then I want to try and avoid it. And who knows if we'll be in those types of situations again, where you can 
find home remedies at work. So I don't know, is that a good place to start? I started in a couple, <laughs> wolves weren't good for avoiding microwaves. And maybe we could start with what can we do at home type things? Well, we talked about, you know, preparing for summer, right? And how do you look at that bigger picture? You had brought up like moms talking about um, how to not go crazy and lose their minds during mm -hmm. the summer, what to do about boredom. And so in terms of preparing for summer, if we were to look at, I know you like the remedy area. So for instance, we can talk about things like burns, like, you know, people are doing bonfires and s'mores and hot dogs or not, or whatever, or sunburn, right? So there's like burns, there's like these things. These are things that having some options for a natural remedy kit can really expand people's toolbox. So mm -hmm. that would be one of the like, kinds of things that I talk about. How do we mm -hmm. expand your toolbox? It comes from midwifery, right? What can we do to expand the toolbox for a new mom, for a new baby, for the situation? So your listeners, of course, cut across a huge swath, right? On this mm -hmm. phone, there's on this, on this listening panel, there's people here who know more than I do about homeopathy or essential oils. Have they taken three courses or they're like super? The, the, those are those ones like your friend Kayla, you know, like you know, mm -hmm. my friend too, right? She She's like making her own powders and I'm so in awe of her like I'm like oh wow look what you do and you know handling stuff at home and you know then all the way to like who you were when we met right which which was if there's any screaming we go straight to the urgent care mm -hmm. and we're afraid and we'll do whatever they say so we have kids that have had a lot of antibiotics and stuff so I want to give a disclaimer before we go further and I always do this with my clients but let's do it officially with your wonderful listeners which is that I'm not a doctor I'm not their doctor and my idea is that you are your own best expert. Parents are their own best expert. They are their child's best expert. They know them the best. So if their gut instincts tells them that something might be off when everybody's saying it's fine, we might need to listen and vice versa. If everyone says, oh, you know, there's something um, awful and parents are like, I, I don't know, I'm feeling pretty calm about this. My kid's acting normally, their eyes are bright. We're, you know, breathing air, being pink, keeping warm, eating food. They're going to the bathroom. Okay, those are all really good signs. That's not usually urgent care, right? You know, breathing issues, you go right in. Uh, you know, and you call 911 at the same time. You know, bleeding issues, vents, you might do the same thing. Bones sticking out, we don't do that at home. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, right. you, you learn to sort of triage that. So I just wanted the disclaimer to be forward and say to parents, you know your children the best. This is a broad stroke. These are some good ideas. You might want to try them. See what you think. Under no circumstances should anybody listening do something they're not comfortable with because they think I said it. Because mm -hmm. I don't know your and I don't know your background, right? Mm -hmm. So, like when we talk about getting sun on the forehead and how it's so helpful for people's health and their mental well-being, and there's all the science, which I'm so appreciative that you did a blog. So now I can send all my clients to your blog that tell all about it. You are such a great researcher. But, you know, then I have mothers who are like, my, my kids can't be in sun. It's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, here's a good idea. If your kid turns into a lobster in two and a half minutes and needs medical care in sun, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Right. That's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, dressing every kid in SP50 slathered in zinc for the entire day, every minute of every day, and then being inside with the TV otherwise, that's probably not so great for a human body either. So it's like a lot of times before I start giving advice, I usually have had time to build a relationship where I talk to people about the why in the road, right? That that's part of the decision-making process. So something that's not a great idea at one point might be a fabulous idea later. So in midwifery, it shows up as a lot of them don't want epidurals. I want a natural birth. 
okay, that's great. I'm not for epidurals given to 80% of the population just because they're scared and uninformed and being made to stay in a bed. If I had had to stay in a bed when I was having a baby, I would want two epidurals, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a big natural helper. You know? right. But on the other hand, if you've been in labor for three days, there's still two centimeters and they're in excruciating pain. We've gone into suffering. And are we actually necessarily furthering the highest and best involved? So I want people to take that into consideration and take it with a big grain of salt. These mm-hmm. are ideas that have worked to the best of my knowledge. I am double checking everything. I have a really good researcher that is amazing behind me that we work together. And I'm reevaluating everything that I say as I say it more and more publicly. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm not your doctor. You know, and right. I just needed to do that in these times. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get off across your first four boxes. That's code OUTSIDE120 at goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120, code OUTSIDE120. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's interesting about it that we're in this day and age where there's missing knowledge. It's missing. And so sometimes it's not even that you need someone to tell you exactly what to do. It's that you need someone to let you know that there's other ideas out there. So like the clove of garlic, there's another idea out there. Well, you know, there's actually a lot of ideas. You can use garlic oil. You can use an onion muff. There's different things. There's homeopathy drops. And there's also conventional medicine too. So there are a lot of things. And I think that's been really my biggest experience with you is that my eyes have been opened, that I was missing these large swaths of information. And we pick and choose. And you also, I think, have to pick and choose 
like, you know, you can't do everything usually. So what can you do and what maybe what's the most important if you had to pick a, a top couple? Are there a couple of things that you can do that are going to enhance your health and life? Because you can't do everything and in time you grow. So I think that's really the biggest thing with you, Beth. It's been my life. And some of the things have taken years to, to take hold, you know, that you've plant. It's really like a, a seed planting. You plant a seed. You say, you know, this comment about putting oils on the feet or you, you say these comments that's the gift to me that you offer the world and have offered to me is exposure not necessarily give me all of the science behind it and i need to see every study and it's a jumping off point where i then am empowered to make my own decisions for my own family because now i have broader knowledge you say that so well i remember that i don't know which of your children if it was after when you were or number four but i remember that you called me from an an ER parking lot at one point. I did. And it was a situation that made me a little nervous. I wasn't trying to like do this at home. And you're like, you know what? This is what they said to do. They sent us home actually. They didn't solve anything, but I looked it up and I've been researching it. And I think I could do this. What do you think? Do you think I could do this? And I said, yeah, you, you're the mom. You wow. need to figure this out. And you did. You solved them in a really special way for your child. I want to talk about that. Because actually, I, I almost brought it up earlier. I do remember, and it was late at night, I called. We rushed to the ER. Winnie had, we actually didn't know what happened. We were at a vacation house, and we were all getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, she just started screaming. And she was probably just about a year. She just started walking, and we didn't know if she'd like tripped and fallen. Did she break her wrist? You know, we we're all kind of together. It was just really bizarre, and she's screaming, and we couldn't get her to stop. We didn't know what to do, so we rushed to the hospital. I remember calling you, and we were in the hospital for a couple hours, and we had all our kids there, and only I could go back with her because we couldn't bring the other kids. So I was alone, and no cell signal. They're trying to take all these x-rays of her. It's late at night. Nothing's broken. The x-ray didn't work. She's screaming, screaming, screaming. And they just sent us home. They basically said it's nothing. And she's still screaming and crying. And Josh had been researching while he was sitting in the lobby with the other kids and thought it was this thing called nursemaid's elbow, which I'd never heard of. But nursemaid's elbow, you, if your ligaments are just like a little wobbly, a little long, you usually grow out of it, but they can pop out of place right around your elbow. And it's extremely painful. And all you have to do is this little twist. There's like a YouTube video online where you, you twist, it's a sub. I don't totally remember, but you twist the arm a certain way and it pops the ligament back into place. Well, it, we did it and Josh did it. And that's all that it was, was this nursemaid's elbow. And it happened to her a couple times afterward because she was prone to it. And I've heard other people talk about it here and there, but we had the skill set then to fix it. You know, it happened maybe two more times. And so we were able to, you turn the wrist one way and the arm one way and it pops that ligament back into place. But just as not another example of being empowered to deal with something on your own, that really we only, we only got it because the doctor didn't know. Like, how could they not know of this thing? I mean, she's screaming. It was anyway, but they didn't. And so sometimes, I mean, that's a good example of sometimes that you have to be able to find your information from other sources. And just because someone has a degree doesn't mean that they know all of the things or have been exposed to everything. So yeah, it was a big experience. I remember calling you, it was late at night. It was amazing to hear, I could hear the fear in your voice, but I also could hear the determination and that you were willing to use your common sense, you know, because mm -hmm. that's a thing, right? To twist your arm, kid's arm, that's 
are we allowed to do that, right? Right. But you were confident, you were careful, you had information, you both felt empowered. I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the land of sort of first aid kinds of things, you know, in, in that arena that we were talking about, maybe, like, here's some nuggets. Like, I recently did a blog on bee stings. Like, what do you do with bee stings? And, it, you know, it comes up. If pregnant ladies have their three-year-olds get walk on a bee in the yard, they're frantic. They don't know what to do. It, it sets everybody off, right? So these are all things that I feel like help mothers be calmer and it helps their babies be calmer. And, of course, it helps, you know, relieve suffering of our children. So, you know, if you like naturopathic stuff and want to have a few of those kind of things in your backpack, then my two favorite that worked with my kids is uh, Apis homeopathy. So homeopathy, if you want to learn what homeopathy is, you know, there's all kinds of really great sources of homeopathy. Homeopathy Plus, that's a great place that explains, you know, everything. But essentially, homeopathy is basically, um, it's a preparation that is submolecular preparation of things like minerals or plants, things like that. And the process is called potentization. So it basically increases the healing effect of the organic substance, but it removes it removes the toxicity. So it's completely safe for people of all ages, including newborns and pregnant moms, little kids, and anybody else in between. And it doesn't interact with medications. It's safe to work with. It's available in health food stores. But there's ways to find more information. I have found it to be unbelievably effective at birth. We use it a lot in, as one of our toolbox, you know, expansions there, even to the point of helping those um, wet lunged babies not have to be separated from their mothers, especially in a medical setting where they would normally take the baby away from mom to help with their breathing. You know, at home, we would do that, obviously, at the bedside. But in the hospital, that's that's uncommon. And so just a little dose of this antimonium tart homeopathic, which is safe for babies, safe for moms, safe for anybody, really mm-hmm. cleared up. I've had mostly the moms have been able to have the baby stay with them much to the sort of surprise or even chagrin of the medical team who's mm-hmm. ready to take them off. But like bee stings, apis is a homeopathic remedy that helps take the sting out right away. And um, I've used purification essential oil. That one's a young living one. There's lots of cool brands, things like geranium or lavender help, but it neutralizes the poison. And, you know, uh, when we were opening in Indigo Forest back in um, 2007, I think Gianmarco was probably about... Well, he was seven because he was born in 2000. So he was about seven years old. We didn't know there was a big wasp's nest on the front porch of it. You know, things you, the things you don't want your new mothers to walk into. And he got a huge bee sting on his elbow that was um, that huge white, like almost as big as a quarter, like a nickel to a quarter size. It was pretty big, the white part, and a big red dot in the middle. And he was screaming. If you can imagine, like on the bone, that thin skin, and it was awful. And I was frantic. I had no ice. I didn't know actually what to do at that point. I wasn't using all the naturopathic stuff that much. But the naturopath I was opening the store with knew all about it. We already had it in the store. She put a little bit of apis in his mouth, a little bit of the oil on the well, When I went and checked it 20 minutes later, she's like, okay, I'm checking it. Let's see how good it He couldn't remember which elbow the problem was on. Wow. He couldn't remember. And I couldn't find the rest. I was hooked. I had no idea it could be more effective than something I could get at the drugstore. I just thought I didn't want to use. I was trying to do other stuff, you know. Right. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about starting with. I mean, we can go into other things too, like sunburns and stuff. At some point, I want to talk about the rhythms. Why yeah. rhythms in summer can really help protect parents' mindsets <laughs> and the energy of the family. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm going to just wrap this up a little bit because the toolbox thing, I think, is such a good idea. I mean, people are just, they're going to have to follow you because <laughs> there's so much information there. I know you've, you've taught entire classes on 
first aid kit. And we have a first aid kit that we bring along that has band-aids and things like that. But you have ideas of just, you know, five or six extra things that you could add in like the Apis or like the Arnica for bruises and falls and things like that and some other ideas. So that's definitely information that people can find from you and also, like I said, and this is down the road, people listen to these at all different times anyway, is that you have this course called Get Well Soon that goes through some of the different common ailments that might happen during childhood, where you go through a lot of these different common situations and you expand the toolbox. So if people are interested in that Get Well Soon course, they can find that on your website. Is that right? Indigoforest.com? They can look right there and it will cover all the sort of everyday type of things, not so much Mm -hmm. like the extreme ones. It's the earaches, the diarrhea, the puking, the cold, the sore throats, the ones Mm -hmm. that come around and around. I know that a lot of moms, uh, families, actually all moms, everybody are really, you know, under the burden of these illnesses that are cycling around quite a bit. I've had a lot of people in my circle that are, you know, on their third week of off and on again either respiratory or tummy bugs and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's a way to help break that cycle. And, and again, expands the toolbox. So when it's the middle of the night, you have a few choices. It doesn't mean you don't need urgent care sometimes, but it gives you some options if you feel like it's not at that scale or you want to do something instead. Mm-hmm. And I will say that for our family, and I know every family is different, but for our family, we have found something that has worked in every case. The only time that we have been to the ER for our children was for that nursemaid's elbow and they weren't able to help. And then we also had... Um, just a freak playground accident with broken equipment. And so those are the only two times that we have had to go outside of this natural toolbox. So like I said, it doesn't work for every single thing every single time, but we have five kids and have, you know, have decades worth of childhood represented within those five children. And so the information that you have has really helped our family. You know, it's enhancing because if you have something that you can go to that is right there that you already have, it's less jarring, it's less stressful. And so it's just great to have those options. So people can find that Get Well Soon on your website and possibly information about the first aid kit too, or, or maybe you'll put something out about that, like an ebook or something. Yeah, if I could just say, like, you know, there's a few things. It kind of depends, again, on what modality or what tools one likes. So if you love homeopathy, there's a few that you would always have. You would have things like aconite, arnica, and apis. Bee stings, bruises, and aconites for the shocky stuff. All that. You can deal with people getting too cold at the, and, you know, getting a fever with that kind of stuff. If you love essential oils, you're usually looking at things like lavender or a purification kind of mix, depending on the brand that you like, and that kind of stuff to support lack of germs, burn recovery, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The couple of things that I can, you know, just, we had talked before about what would be the top three things. I usually keep things like aloe vera around. You know, it's the plant that helps with skin repair. So a lot of my clients just keep a bottle of it. You can get it at the drugstore. I tend to have plants around, so I have their big leaves in the freezer. So there's something happens, I can cut it open. It's nice and cold and soothing and healing all at the same time. So it kind of hits both, at the, you know, it hits that I need cold at the same time it hits healing. And then I usually have some sort of a green salve. You can look up on Amazon, you know, like what is a green salve? It's basically some herbs and some vitamin E and some oils. And it tends to not hurt. And it tends to be great for any kind of skin wound. And then, you know, for my midwife time, we always used herbal baths all the time. And that's become really one of the mainstays of everything that we do. I always keep it on the shelf. Most of my clients keep it on the shelf, even long past postpartum. So the herbal bath is really 
uh, a bag of herbs. It has salt. You prepare the bath in a certain way. It's very simple, but it keeps it really antiseptic. So I have OBs that work with me who recommend it to their birthing clients, people who had C-sections and people who have like skin procedures. So basically it's your, it's your catch-all everything to heal everything skin. So for postpartum moms, it creates that ritual of slowing down, taking the deep breath, helping their you know bum area feel way better, helping the baby's core to heal. It's all, this is the only kind of immersion anybody should be doing in immediate postpartum, but it's very, it's a lot of pregnant mom's favorite thing. <laughs> once they've had it once, they always want it again. And then they keep it on hand because it's great for road rash and it's great for skin knees and it's great for sunburn and it's great for everything. So yeah. those are my basics, like a green sap, an herbal bath, a couple of homeopathics, a couple of oils. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I think that my eyes were opened when we started walking down this path that a lot of these things are a catch all. And so I think in other circumstances, like let's say if you went to the drugstore, it's like, well, you need this medicine for cough and you need this thing for runny nose and you need this thing for your allergies and you need this thing for this other, your skin. And a lot of these things like honey would be an example where it's going to help a lot of different things. And so what I found is it's less overwhelming than I thought it would be. It's like, well, you just named off three homeopathics. You named off two essential oils. Then you talked about having a salve to heal your skin, an herbal bath, and the aloe vera. I mean, these are not that many things that you would need to have on hand to help with a myriad of things. And I actually, we were just, we were out of town. It was like beginning of the season, got a little bit of extra sun, I think. And I saw aloe vera, the plant, it was growing out of the ground at this park we were at. And I mean, because of you, I was able to break off a chunk and we're just rubbing it all over our bodies right out of the plant. It doesn't even have to come out of the bottle. So there's a lot that you learn. Let's talk about your herbal bath though, because you actually sell some and I've used yours for postpartum. And actually we had a kid one time that had a really funky skin thing. I don't know what it was. I, to this day, don't know what it was, but it was some just uh, different sores she had. And so we tried that herbal bath and it, it, we were in a spot where I was like, yeah, I don't really know. We're kind of on the edge. Are we taken in for this or, and the herbal bath was what did the trick. So once again, it's one of those catch-all things. It's great for postpartum, but it's also great for sunburns or, you know, I mean, we get tons of scrape knees. So, okay, so how does it work? You can describe. I've done it, but you tell us how we do it. Here's our package. It's like a bath. It's one bath in a bag. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's traditional with the midwives to put people in herbal baths. This has been going on for a long time. It's not new and groovy. This is old and traditional. And, of course, all kinds of herbal brews can be all kinds of medicine. This one is a recipe that I have really perfected over the years with the key ingredients. They're all supposed to be there. I've been kind of surprised online and looking at Pinterest and stuff. There's a lot of ingredients in herbal baths that have nothing to do with skin and are inappropriate. So I was sort of, I was surprised, but I didn't realize that that was out there. That they were sort of willy-nilly pulling things. But the, everything here has a very, very specific purpose and it smells divine. And it's really, it has lavender in there for its um, healing properties and also for its aromatherapy. Mm -hmm. And so basically um, the directions are on the website and they're on the, you know, you can find it through the package. It comes with directions, but essentially people are the new mother. If it's for a new mother, they can't do this because I don't want them lifting, right? We want right. somebody for them. But especially if you have a kid that has road rash, um, my 19 year old at college is riding a one wheel and he's pretty good at it. But in the beginning, he had a few encounters with the pavement going a little faster than it's supposed to be. My stunt boy, stunt man, young man. And uh, he was really torn up, his hands and everything. And he was pretty unhappy. I said, are you ready for an herbal bath? 
because you know young men young adults don't always want to get in the bathtub you know that's not he's like i'll do anything does it hurt i said no and you can record in and we have pictures really in the hour before and the hour after and the change is remarkable in just that short amount of time so essentially mm-hmm. you take the big spaghetti pot you boil it up with a good gallon or you know gallon or more of water when it's boiling the whole package goes in and then you either simmer it for an hour or let it sit overnight or for a few hours. You just want it to steep and get strong. Mm-hmm. And then it's strained before you put it in the bathtub or into the bathtub. You don't put the plant matter in the bathtub. That will be a problem for your septic or your pipes. But it's strained into a very clean bathtub, a bathtub cleaned with baking soda. Mm-hmm. That way you keep chemicals out of wounds, but also it's clean. You don't want anything with mildew around. I mean, it's just common sense stuff. People have, uh, it's, it's all in the directions, but if people have stitches, they should limit their soap to 10 to 15 minutes max until they're over 10 days or whenever their care provider says it's okay for the stitches to come out. We don't want them to dissolve too soon, but right. I've seen it um, resolve. Literally, we had a baby who had a blistered diaper rash. I was helping a mom have ba- a baby. It was She was in labor. She had a number of kids. Somebody was watching the toddler, but somebody wasn't really watching the toddler. And by the time they noticed that she'd had a diaper on for you know, she'd had a full diaper on for a while. And it was like that age that is eating, you know, strawberries and getting rashes from them. And it literally was bright red blisters. She's like, my herbal bath, put the baby in it. And that was my first introduction was that mom. I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. The baby played in there for an hour, came out. We saw her running around this, you know, year and a half, two year old. Her bottom looked 95% better. It like wow. it wasn't even a thing. I'm like, in an hour? So wow. one of the clients recently called and she had a big infection on her shoulder because she had had a five inch incision from taking out a lymphoma with her dermatologist. And it was infected. The antibiotics weren't really touching it. The pain was high. It was bright red. And she goes, I don't know what to do. That's how we ended up having these conversations. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you have a normal bathroom around? She said, oh, I totally forgot. And mm-hmm. she actually got one, took it that time. And again, we have uh, pictures two hours apart. And her dermatologist said, I think I need to have these in the office. Because I've never seen it change like that. So it's just a nice tool. The idea is to increase the toolbox, right? If you don't have a bathtub, then, you know, you soak parts in the bucket or something. You know, Right. Sure. Sure. We did that. Like Winnie got diaper rash. So I think some kids seem to get it easier than yeah. others. I don't quite know. But sometimes you would just fill a tub, you know, like a small tub, like a, you know, not even the full tub. You just set her in there, a little bit of water and sit and read books while she was in it and read books to her. And so, yeah, just another tool for your toolkit, just to have these, you know, 10 to 15 things around heading into the summer that are going to help because stuff happens. And I think we want to be in situations where stuff happens because then kids are learning and growing, but we also want to be able to deal with it when things do happen. So can people get those herbal baths can they get them on your website just go to indigoforest.com they'll see tons of free information they'll see a few things like that that can support them i like yours i mean i've used yours to great success for the different things that we've had to deal with and i like having it on hand we always have one or two sitting up on the shelf in case something happens because i think that is the thing about first aid and about children is that you're not expecting it and it happens, I think, right from the get-go. I would say that happened right from my story. I'm not expecting to get preeclampsia. I'm not expecting to have a cesarean section. I'm not expecting to have a second cesarean section. And so it just becomes this thing where if you don't have the things ready and at your fingertips, then sometimes you do have to go a different route and it just might be harder in the long run. So I love those baths. People can find them at indigoforest.com. And then I, one other thing that we were going to talk about, and you 
brought it up earlier, just to sort of wrap it up heading into the summer, is that sometimes I think we look at summer with wide eyes and there's all the sayings about how few summers we really have with our children. And so we want them to be these beautiful, magical, memorable months. And then we start on day one and everyone's fighting and the siblings are fighting and they won't share their toys. And we feel like we're losing our minds and it's hard. And so this is a surprisingly an interesting topic of conversation. I guess not surprising because you've been in thousands of living rooms, but just this sort of practicality of raising children and not losing our minds in the process is something that you speak to. So maybe we can end with that heading into the summer. And then I know everyone's going to hope that you come back, I think, in the fall. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I, it's so much fun to have a conversation with you. I'm so thrilled to have this opportunity. So I guess I would leave with this. I was taught by one of my coaches that basically rhythms can help us over the rough spots. I bring that up as a midwife. I bring it up in every area and it comes up in illness. It comes up in postpartum times and it comes up in summers, right? So you look at the seasons and what, you know, we remember the season of having a baby. Here we're talking about the season of summer, which in our areas, right, is the hot time and the off school time. And it's the outward, outward expansion time. So if you think about that, all of nature has 
a tide, right? The tides go out, the tides come in. We have a breath. We have inhale, we have exhale. If we have our kids on full tilt all the time, run, 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 when do we get to have the inhale? So we need the rhythm in order to support the bigger picture. So they also used to say that um, rhythm replaced strength, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I can't make all these things happen. My kids fight me about baths. If I, she said, let rhythm replace strength, right? So if I want to have baths every day after uh, dinner, then if the kids don't want to do it, it's, a, it's not about me, right? It's just, it's just our plan. It's just the schedule. It's just what happens. One of our, my clients, who's also become just the most dear friend, she's the brilliant person behind a lot of what makes my website work. The lights in their kid's room are on a timer, a timer for the whole house, like for the upstairs. Like nobody's fighting about it. It goes off at a certain time. So the older kids are allowed to read and do different things, but the lights go off. They know when the lights go off. And mm -hmm. I, it astounds me because I was never organized enough to get into bed in such a rhythmic way, right? But her mm -hmm. kids are incredibly calm around bedtime. They know the lights go off. It'll be okay. They know how to settle in. So just this idea of using the rhythm and using it to slow down when appropriate, to speed up, and to know that in the summer, whatever we plan, it has to work for the grownups too. It can't mm -hmm. just be about the kids. And so it's a bigger conversation. But I was always looking at what skills do I want my kids to have as adults? I want my kids to be extremely capable people. The world is going to need people who can run local governments or run libraries or be engineers, right? I, one of my kids is in aerospace engineering at a big, prominent university. And these are some of the smartest of the smartest kids, supposedly, right? And in one of their projects, his classmates did not know how to wind up the rope and the hose. They didn't have a practical oh skill. They were incredibly smart in their heads, but nobody had played with gravity as four-year-olds outside, right? Mm -hmm. It was all intellectual instead of, so they were missing the practical. We do need our engineers to understand the practicality of gravity. So I, I will leave us with, to me, this was the best punchline of all, even though it's slightly off topic. And it's that I call my older son. So, you know, they have the Brothers Barbeau, right? On Instagram. And you can see why I'm a, like a mother with some gray hair because they do all their stunt stuff and like that there. But I called him up last night and I said, I'm going to be talking to Jenny. He goes, oh, yay. I said, on the podcast. Oh, good. I said, look, if kids are going into this, like if kids are complaining about being bored and he just popped this sentence out, I'm like, we have to interview you, you know, <laughs> he said, he said, if your children are bored in the summer, he said, you need to let them go farther from the house. Wow. That's like a punchline. You know what I mean? It's like, he said, kids do not learn by being told be safe, that they have to, they have to find a spot to be individual. Cause we were talking about if you're, you know, if it's a cookie cutter lawn, if it's really pristine and gorgeous, the ones I always was jealous of, it's hard for a kid to make their own individual spot. It's hard for them to find their spot. So in order for me as a parent to have peace, my kids have to go out and be creative. And they need a certain runway to do it, which is, of course, a bigger conversation and one that all of your, you have so many wonderful authors that talk about it. But he was just basically, let them, if you're going to do play structures, let them explore it for themselves. Don't say, this is the slide. This is how you use it. My kids hated play structures. And when they liked them, frankly, when they did it, it's when they, as teenagers, they started to do parkour. And they would go at dusk when all the young children would go home and they would use the play structures for their young adult danger ranger parkour stuff, chasing each other around and having a blast. And that's what they were doing. 
Isn't that interesting? We talk about that because Josh and I have talked about that, that when you drive around and you see these play structures, you never see kids on them. We've had those conversations. Ours gets used only when friends come over, but otherwise it does not. And you've talked about in their childhood that you had a lot of dress up toys. You had big piles of dirt, very simple things. You talked about moving logs. So let's throw some of those ideas in there. Yeah. Well, the idea is it goes on what Jean-Marco said was that we have to have the kids be able to make a place for themselves that they call their own. He said, you have to be able to individualize. You know, he said, he said, because I know it's not really that politically correct, but you know, we had to have a fort where no girls could come in. And it's like, well, you know, there were no girls in their life. I was their only girl. We were in the woods. you know. <laughs> so it, it was very symbolic, right? But they, that they could claim this space that they get to call their own and they get to make it their own and they get to do it that way. He reminded me of some things that I had forgotten. So, um, one of the ones was that I used to hide stuff in the woods for them to find. I once bought the Mother's Day present that I wanted as a single mom. And I hid all the parts of the wood and told them that the fairies had probably left some stuff. And if they looked really hard they, in their favorite spots, they might find, like, I just had this feeling that the fairies. So it's like one of the big stories in the family. You know, when my dad passed on, he was a quirky guy. I had a bunch of those little, like, half glass marbles, you know, in pretty colors that you buy. But I didn't have a lot of money. And I just had, like, I inherited this kind of stuff. He was a collector of quirky things. So I started burying them in the big sandbox. So mm-hmm. my kids discovered treasure. They're like, do you think there's more treasure? And it kept them busy for like a whole summer. I would just keep burying different things in different corners. They had to dig really deep to find them. And it was like this great sense of wonder. And I was just looking for ways, because frankly, I had a back, like my back didn't feel that great, you know, for a long time. And so I was looking for ways that let them explore, get strong, honestly, be entertained so I could clean the house. And let them run around. You know, it's like the reality is that a three and four and five and six-year-old little people, a lot of times they want to carry logs. They got to do really big muscle work and it's important and it's important for them to get to do work. So, you know, we would make sure we had some of those around so they could be moved around and they could make it their own and maneuver that way. To that end, there's there's a lot of ideas here that we started to do. I, I was a single mom for a lot of our time together after we were about six or seven. And... I wanted them to gain skills and I didn't have a lot of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would do things like buy Montessori. I had read all these different kinds of educational stuff like Waldorf and Montessori and oh my gosh, all that stuff. And I would buy Montessori tools for the kitchen or the workshop. And so they were just real tools, but they were kid size, like those little wavy um, knives. Right. Like, but they're safe. You can't really cut off your finger. And I would cut a cucumber in half so it wouldn't roll. And I would have them cut up the pieces for dinner and boy, they eat a lot of pieces of cucumber if they get to cut them up, you know, <laughs> actually one of my favorite ones. Did I ever show you this? Yes. Yeah, this was the one where I was seeing it all, like, I know you, didn't you have the owner of um, Bella Toys, I think it was? Yeah, uh, Bella Luna like, Toys, yes, Sarah Baldwin. That was one of the catalogs I was looking at way back in the day, 20 years ago, and really guiding me like oh I wanted those cool things and I don't know if it was them but one of the one of them had these really cool like blocks with the bark on them and I thought they were kind of amazing but I didn't have the 60 bucks or you know whatever it was so when that's what I did was I thought I wanted my kids to have those skills so when the toddler that who was going to turn two was napping the four-year-old we took that little Montessori saw that was like the kind from metal that was didn't have big dangerous teeth it was really smooth mm-hmm. and he would saw up log chunks to make a whole basket of blocks for his brother and that was his present to him we still have it and wow. um uneven <laughs> in every way 
and they're perfect. But isn't that even better? I mean, the fact that they're uneven makes it even better because then the dexterity and what you're needed, the, the creativity that's needed to stack them and figure out what to build with them, it just makes it a little bit more challenging. People ask a lot about, especially in like the scorching summers, how do we make sure that our babies aren't overheating? Isn't that a big one? We all worry about it so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, what I would say is this, back to common sense, intuition. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the common sense part is new babies should not be being exposed to high noon. Their skin is fresh. It's not ready. It's not toughened up. We don't want to cause a problem. And mm-hmm. they also don't have a lot of heat regulation. I frankly have more often worried about babies not being warm enough than I have about them being too warm. So let me explain. When the weather starts to change, we're eager to get outside and we're so eager to throw off all the winter, this and that, you know, depending on where you are. And the problem is that I often see babies out in a spring weather with this kind of cold, damp breeze. You know, it's like it's, it's 70 or 80, but then it's cooler. So the reality is that babies need to be pretty cozy for quite a while. So here's the thing that I learned from the European midwives. Your baby is too cold if they have mottled skin, if they're blotchy. So like if their arm is blotchy, so of course it depends on the color of your family, right? But if their skin gets blotchy, that's one. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're too cold if their hands are cool in any way. So if they have cool little toes, they're too cold. And they're using up calories that they should be using for growing and being alert and interacting with you to just run the furnace. Mm-hmm. And the third one for new babies, not babies inside, not toddlers, but those first weeks, if they get the hiccups, if they get the hiccups, they're too cold. So new babies really should be in a hat and our layers plus one or two, right? Mm-hmm. So they should have on the under, if, if they're going to be skin to skin in that first couple hours or a couple days after birth, awesome. However moms like to do that. But when it's time for clothes or they're in other people's arms, they need our layers plus one or two. And sometimes you go to the store and you see like these very tiny new babies and you see the parents in the sweatshirts and you see the baby in a onesie. And this is not really healthy. Like we're noticing, like now this is anecdotal. I don't have a study for you, but I can name a lot of detailed stories about babies who were wrapped up a little bit more because they were always mottled and cold and not digesting well. And frankly, not filling their diapers, not pooping for a week at a time, these one month olds. And as soon as they put the hat on, you know, we love to talk about woolens. I know we'll get to that in a longer mm-hmm. podcast sometime, but they put a little woolen undershirt on there, full of silk. They put a gown on over them. They put socks on. They wrap them in a blanket and it's, they're cozy. And I have had more parents than I can count tell me that all of a sudden their child is having a bowel movement every day. Oh, mm. how does that work? You know, it's so like the little babies, they need to be warm. My kids were born in the summer here in Michigan in June and August. And I still had hats on them most of the first six months. Mm. Now, that was summer. It was hot. But on the other hand, everyone said, I've never seen such an alert baby. I've never seen them grow so well. It was, you know, no, no weight loss in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So it's one of my big soapbox times. But if we're going to talk about, wow, it's already July, it's hot. I need to get out with these new babies. First of all, I want to put a big pitch in for new mamas resting. We used to, you know, that's a whole nother postpartum conversation, right? But it's, and it's a siren call that a lot of good people are making now. There's some amazing books out there. But just the, the way we used to put it was, or do put it, is... With new moms, a week in bed, a week on the bed, and the third week near the bed. Mm-hmm. Because the baby's expecting a fourth trimester with a womb with a view, haha, like right between <laughs> on their mom's chest, right? Yeah. They use that skin to skin contact 
regulate all of their bodily functions, their breathing, their temperature, their respiration, their blood pressure, everything. So there's a big advantage to that. So I'm encouraging people, in spite of championing getting outside at every opportunity, I would encourage new moms to not go on a hike in the first week or two because it took them months for their pelvic floor to thin out a lot in order to let a baby emerge. And if they had a surgical birth, it's going to be an even bigger recovery that they're going to need support and help from. And so to really let themselves heal well, this has to do with that exhale, inhale that we talk about, that we need to be able to improve. We need to, we need to understand that there's seasons. It's not all exhale. It's not all running around. Mm-hmm. There's times that breath and, and there's not a lot of voices necessarily encouraging don't come home from the hospital and sit on the couch and then show on Instagram how great you are to be taking a hike. And I don't mean to get on your people, you know, but or, right. or uh, be a target, right, in those mm-hmm. days. So if we have a new baby out, though, and it's somehow we're going to sit in the backyard on a hot day so our you know preschoolers can run amok and we can keep an eye on them and we're just taking it easy, but we have a young baby, I would say it's common sense. Basically, if they are bright red and panting, they are too hot. That's too much. In general, they shouldn't have a lot of sun be touching their skin as a new baby in those first months, days and months. So, um, you know, one of my moms that has five kids, her favorite thing is the seersucker blanket, right? It's that puckery stuff, like the seersucker. And those kind of blankets, she feels like they're cool. They keep the sun off the kids. And, you know, you have them under the umbrella or whatever, they can take their nap. So that's where I would start with babies. It's like, you know, common sense. Don't over push it. You know that when you have small children, you've got a limited range, limited mm-hmm. capacity, both in the mothers and the children. And you go for moderation, mm-hmm. right? As they get a little older, their skin toughens up. Now you can do research about sunscreens, right? And decide how you want to play. Now you can decide if you want them to have a hat on or not. Some kids are going to need that and some kids are going to not. And it depends on families and skins and a lot of other issues. Yeah. Does that yeah. help? Is that a good place to I start? I think that's great. With our babies um, that were born in June, I mean, we did that, especially Winnie was our last one that was born in June. We did the first 40 days and there's a book called The First 40 Days Just Staying. And it's, it is actually pretty hard to do. It's harder than you would think mentally, um, but was really glad to have that time. And then with our ones that were born in March, which that is just the ideal, in Michigan at least, that is the ideal time to have a baby. Because then the next year, by the next summer, they're walking well, you know, typically. So, um, but there are babies that were born in March, then by the summer, we would go out, we'd always find a shady spot, we'd always have a blanket to lay out on, and by that time, maybe they're starting to roll, they're looking up at the trees, they're seeing all of that movement, they're reaching for the grass, that's what we always did. We would always find a big tree, always find a big tree, a lot of shade. That kind of goes along with your point too of the clothing, then if they're really, if they're young and you're in a shady spot, it might not be as warm as you were expecting it to be. So those two things sort of go hand in hand, but that's what we did with our babies, a lot of baby wearing, so that you have a really good sense of how they're doing and that's how we did it so you start small and then they grow and you have a a childhood adventure i think that when you're baby wearing then you can go you can chase your other kids when you need to so if you need to scoop somebody out of the water and you you can be more responsive without worrying about your baby Mm -hmm. i I think that what is a big shift for a lot of us especially when a thousand hours outside is like this new idea is that it's very different to be in weather right it's like um a lot of us in modern age have had the luxury of getting used to a 70 degree climate controlled house. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, you know, it's always warm. And then as soon as it's a little cold, it's always cool. And yeah. the truth is human bodies were not really meant to be in climate controlled. 
And I know you've interviewed great people about this, but it's adaptability. You need to be able to be adaptable. I posted a little um, reel on my Instagram because I was at uh, one of the Lake Michigan. I was at Lake Michigan, actually. You know, like the big lakes, you can't see the other Mm -hmm. side. And I I was there doing some grouping and stuff. And I saw, it's like July. And people were walking along with their kids that they had brought to the lake. And the kids were running down, oh, 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 there's the water. And then the parents would say, be careful, it's cold. And it just took everybody's energy down. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. we, you know, the water wasn't amazing. It wasn't like the Caribbean, but Mm -hmm. it was Michigan in August. It wasn't, no one was going to die. You know what I mean? It was, it was plenty warm, but it was close to the grown up and it kind of deflated all the kids stuff. And so then the kids pulled back and then they had to play carefully and stuff which is not how we make really brave kids who can go out and change the world. We really need our kids to think. Like my whole goal was to raise kids that not only that I liked, not just loved, but that they would actually be Renaissance people. I wanted kids who could do anything. I wanted them to be able to move through every kind of strata of economics. I wanted them to be able to be at home in a very rich, a wealthy or, you know, like high end setting that required a different kind of dress and manners and stuff. I wanted them to be able to be like, in the street, being able to talk to people and be safe. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to be comfortable with people who didn't look like us. I wanted it to go all directions. So everything I did as a parent was to include it. I literally looked for aisles, like lanes to get into in the grocery store where the checkout person looked very different from us. I would look for the one that had the bright colors, the skin different from us, the hair different from us, the height different from us. They were talking with an accent different from us. Like I would, I was always looking to just expand their normal so they could be more durable. And you know, one of my cool dads that has five kids and his line is the great ones adjust, Hmm. right? The great ones adjust. We need to be adaptable. We need to build resilient kids who are adaptable. And I think it goes with babies who are not only in 70 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> That's yeah. how it all goes together, right? We have to get used to a little bit of heat and a little bit of cold. It's nice to keep little babies cozy. But the next part is, you know, our kids need to be able to run amok a little bit and experience the range. Mm-hmm. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning. 
where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And in doing that, they learn how to trust themselves. I think that's a big thing that's missing. Like they're going to know if the water's too cold. We do that all the time. They jump in, they run back out. But they have to learn it for themselves and not have us spoon feed everything to them and say, that's going to be too cold for you. Like let them figure it out. Let them have those. What's the harm? You're going to run out. It's July. It's 85 degrees out. Like no one's, nothing's going to happen. So I think we, we let them have those experiences so that they can learn. And that's the whole point. So do you see, do you see some of that change with your own kids when you see this, like they've been now into cold and warm water a lot and that kind of stuff? How do you see it changing how they are in other areas of their life? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it would be easy to put a one-to-one, but they trust themselves. They make their own decisions and they figure out if they can climb the thing and they're going to choose if they're going to jump off into the water or not. And it's not micromanaged. They're making their own choices. And I think from an adventure standpoint, not necessarily a life skill standpoint, but from an adventure standpoint, we're following after them now. So this is what's come full circle is that at the beginning you're leading and now we're following what is it that they're and they're doing really cool things. And I think Obviously, you know, you don't know how that translates into everyday life, but they're facing fears and they're making decisions to make the leap. You know, that's the name of that book we were talking about, The Big Leap. Do you do it or do you not? And, you know, you're learning, I think, sometimes in those moments of what you're capable of and that thrill comes after the scary step. And so just a lot of those types of things. But I mean, I do definitely think that your older kids, maybe not your really little ones, are still learning how to regulate their body temperature but the older ones i mean they know they can figure out if they're cold or hot or i I don't have to manage that for them they can do it on their own so all that's happening with being out in the rain and jumping in the cold river and all that kind of stuff they're learning about themselves and that's what we want it was actually you saying some of that and um one of your podcasts where you were really passionate about that people were talking about the benefits of being in the rain I actually ended up buying a rain suit and I've been taking walks when it's raining, just like my old, about to be 60 year old self, you know, and it's remarkable. It does change how I come back and, and myself, it changes how I, it changes my attitude. You think that walking in the rain would make you sad, but I come back completely buoyant, all cheerful, ozoned up. When I, I, when I was in college at Antioch college, um, we led, I went on first as a freshman and then I helped to lead a canoe trip for the entering class. And we went to Algonquin, Canada, which was like a huge heroic drive. And we would, we would be canoeing and portaging for 10 days. And there's a lot of information about how to be in the world that I got from there. But the piece that applies to this part of our conversation is we were taught, like we had two student leaders, senior students, uh, one faculty member, and then like eight students. And what we were taught was that when the students take over the direction of the group and that the group as a starts to steer it that's when you know you've been successful wow so Mm -hmm. 
I see that in my kids, and I frankly, it's it's so amazing to be able to relax and to watch their decision making and to hear how they put it together. And I can see them referring back to whether or not I would help them down off of the brick wall that they got up on when they were four or five, mm-hmm. and instead support them in figuring out how to get down. That, that was yeah. our rule: if you climb up, be able to get down. I'm not going to not support you. I am going to totally support you, but you're responsible for where you get yourself into, mm. which is an important thing, right? Don't you need your 16 year olds to know that they're responsible for the situations they create? Mm-hmm. We need them. Someday we're going to need people to help run yeah. everything, not just run corporations or we need them to run the local government. Who's going to be there and have the common sense of how to keep the water mm-hmm. department working properly. They're going to have to run their own family. They have to run their own family. Start with that. Mother. Yeah. yeah. And even I, I've had this author on twice, Pam Lobley, and I like her. She's funny. And she was talking, we talked about how if you control everything, if you're controlling, controlling, you can't go in the water. You need to have on this. Why aren't you wearing that? Then she says that the transition out of parenting is a lot harder. And I think that makes a lot of sense too. She said, and and I can see this with you because I was in that transition with you and the boys went off to school, that you all that's one of the biggest changes is that all of a sudden you have no not only do you have no control you don't even know what's going on and so this is a process i think for ourselves as much as it is for our children to be letting go it's almost like from the very beginning that's partly what we're learning is it's that trade-off right it's a transfer it's a slow transfer of responsibility and trust that begins with us and then is given to our children and if we don't do that then i think we're both stuck in the end we're stuck because we are experience this huge loss and can't adjust and they're stuck because they don't know what to do with their lives and we're both in a rough spot so there's a lot of lessons here. I even like the rain one. It's like, it's a reminder that even when it's gloomy, it can still be, things can still be wonderful. What a great reminder, you know, that we, it doesn't have to be a sunny day to have a great life, you know, so a great experiences. You know, the, the naturopathic piece that goes with sun exposure for everybody, if you get anybody in the family that gets too hot is bioplasm. You can look it up anywhere you want. Your health boosters will have it. It's considered a tissue salt or cell salt. It's basically like a micro-mineral combo. And it's sort of, to my mind, this is a Bethism. I don't know. Nobody says this. But to me, it's sort of like an electrolyte in a bottle. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little tablets. They don't go bad. You, nobody dies if they accidentally eat them all because they get into it. But it's it's the micro-mineral combos that the body runs on. And it's all 12, 12 of them together. I counsel and teach the midwives and the doulas to keep that in their bag. If you have a mom that's throwing up a lot or has a lot of diarrhea or something where they get off or blood loss, this really is that electrolyte balancer, but we keep it in the grab and go bag or in the bag for the uh, going out to the beach and stuff. If people get too hot and have sunstroke or get dehydrated, this helps to restore things really fast. So it's that kind of thing that is transferable between, you know, raising, you know, between birth as a midwife and then as into family life that people can use onward. It doesn't go back. Yeah, bioplasma. Bio. We have that one. It's in the little white bottle. Bioplasm. Bioplasm. That's right. Wow. I mean, the ideas that you have from ear aches to summer rhythms are just life changing, really. And like we talked about at the beginning, when you say healthy births, healthy lives, you really span the gamut from birth all the way until the end. And you have information about that too, which I think is something that people often are looking for because it's not many places. So I can't wait to have you back on and to talk about more things. And in the meantime, if people are wanting to 
get more information. They got to sign up for that newsletter. You have different topics that come out. Tell us just a couple of topics maybe that have been some of the recent ones. Oh, we've talked about everything from the bee stings to how to make elderberry jello that's really healthy and amazing and immune supporting to how do you do a real kick test or how do you help a mama who's spotting to, so it's all that healthy lives, you know, healthy births, healthy lives gamut. So parenting, some of the newsletters cover things like parenting around the phone, how to work with that. So yeah, just so many great pieces of information that I think we're searching for, that we're all searching for that are coming out in your newsletter and that people can find on your website and different blog posts and things. And then, like I said, the course, for get well soon and the herbal baths are there too so just a lot that you offer and people finally get to know the voice behind the person that i have been talking about now for a year and a half since this podcast started beth barbeau just wonderful midwife wonderful friend and someone who is bridging that gap with the lost generational knowledge and helping so many people find their voice and find their strength. So I like that. Why birth matters to all of us is because, well, a lot of things, but you know, it starts these conversations. It really is a lot of times what, for me, at least it's what got me toward changing some of our habits and searching and learning and growing and and that type of thing. So is there anything you wanted to add? Anything that we missed in this one? I will have time to do more on another call. If we Pop on again in the fall. Well, I want to say that, Ginny, you know, I, I have the luxury of something that a lot of your authors don't, which is that I got to meet you before you were Ginny of a thousand hours outside. Mm-hmm. And I want to just actually publicly, I would like to publicly commend you because you are a midwife for a lot of people to be brave mm-hmm. and try something new and really be a healthier family and to grab hold of something even if it's a few hours or just an awareness or the whole enchilada. And I love, I just, the energy that you bring to the topic and that you bring to encouraging people is so real. And it's, it's encouraged me along the way. You have been Mm -hmm. such a force for good. And so your enthusiasm and your buoyant personality, it's like all of us that get to know you in person are so, so lucky. And I really admire your ability to transverse into the virtual world and to bring that energy to other people and to bring new ideas. And your podcasts are incredible. I, I've been listening to them everywhere I drive. And mm. I, you know, I was listening to John Alcoff recently that you had him on about goals around the beginning of the year, and I found them really interesting. And the one he I listened to yesterday about perfectionism, he was saying his mom, we'll just end on this, you know, he said his mom didn't compare herself to people in Oregon wherever she was growing up, Connecticut or so I forget where they were. But he said his mom could compare herself to the five other mothers, the other women on her cul-de-sac. And that was her world. So there was support there. And it wasn't, you know, his encouragement was to not be per- perfect, like to understand that we needed to move forward. And so, you know, his encouragement in that way, really, I got something out of that because you put him on because I got to listen. So anyway, thanks for making that that support go wider and wider, you know, to hand it off that I get to hand it off to you and to mm-hmm. as many people as I can. And you hand it off to all these people. And the best part is that these mothers and these fathers and these people and everybody is going out and they're handing it off to the people around them. They have mm-hmm. their grandmas taking a walk. They have their neighbor. They've supported their friend. And so it's, it's really the reclaiming of community in our own ways. And I just, I really appreciate you being brave and fingering this out and, Aw, well, thank you. I'm glad I didn't cut it before you said that. 
Oh, it's just, I think it's been a neat thing. I think that we have been a gift to each other. And here and there, I'll send you a text message because I do think our fourth daughter, Brooklyn, she loves to sing. And it's a really, it's a gift. It's a special thing about her. I think that she does that. And, and then she plays, she sings and her, her older sister plays guitar. And so every once in a while that we'll be in these situations where I think, I don't, I don't know if I would have this child. Yeah, Winnie's something else. <laughs> she's a little harder. <laughs> I feel slightly differently, but uh, you know, she's she's so sweet. But you know, the, you look at these kids, and I think, um, and I'm I maybe would not have these children, these lives, these these people. You know, had you not taken us on, and you know, in retrospect, obviously, I think I was an outlier of someone that you would have taken on. I, I felt very confident, <laughs> but in retrospect, I was like, oh, she was probably like, who is this? So it's just been such a gift. You've given us our children. I mean, I can't, what more can you give to someone than these lives and this legacy? And then beyond that, obviously the, the births and the knowledge that I gained over those years and continue to gain from you have just been life-changing. So, okay, we always end our podcast with the same question. I can't skip it. What is a favorite memory of yours from your childhood that was outside? Um, so my mom, bless her, was a little bit afraid of the outdoors. There wasn't a lot of encouragement to get outdoors. I had an unusual situation. My dad was a social worker in Detroit right after the um, 60s, uh, what do you call it, riots. And so they had moved to you know Michigan and it was very fraught for them. And um, But we lived on the summer camp where the inner city kids would come out every summer and he was the summer camp manager. So we were on like some property, but my mom didn't access it. It was kind of scared of it and, you know, please be careful. So um, I wasn't a particularly athletic child. It was back in the day when they had, uh, you know, chubby clothes in the stores and I was in the chubby section. (laughs) But I had discovered that if you turned over old pieces of wood or cinder block out in the woods, there were salamanders underneath. And those black salamanders with orange dots that to me were completely magical. Like, I, you know, I wasn't a bug kid or a snake kid or a dirt kid, but somehow these, like, they were so shiny and so sweet and so friendly to me. And they were under the hard stuff. They were under bricks. Like, how do you live under a cinder block? I couldn't, you know, because there was stuff out in the woods and I, that's one of my favorite memories is just encountering these little creatures and being really quite full of wonder about how their lives, what were their lives. And again, you know, being a stories person and a visual person, that metaphor always sticks with me as uh, how are we glorious mm-hmm. underneath the things that burn us? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What's under the dead rotting log? Wonder. Wonder is under there. And color Wow. Fascination. I love that. What a beautiful ending. Beth, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for us, for our family, for me personally. Oh, I'm getting teared up. Okay, I'm going to pull it together. Here we go. Thank you for taking this time to come and be on the podcast. It is a gift for me to introduce you to our audience, to hopefully that this reaches a whole lot of people and is just a start for them to getting to know what you have to offer, which is so much. So thank you for taking the time and can't wait to have you back. Thank you for having me so much. Take care. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, 
have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.